Two-parters are notorious for having unsatisfying resolutions to cliffhangers. Either the second part relieves the tension of the first part too quickly, or the tension hangs too long, or it feels like a separate episode. A Worthy Culture Part 2 starts with Kirk writing 3115 as a deadline on a bulkhead, and the episode proceeds in real time until the conflict is resolved. The crew that was mutinying last time unites, with Cisco directing efforts to subvert the main computer, Scotty sabotaging the engine, and Kirk, Troy, and Data using their knowledge of the ship and its crew to anticipate Picard's next move and ferret out one last hidden member of... <sighs> Jean-Luc Picard's super suicidal secret mutiny team. It's tight. Maybe to the point things aren't explained, but it's satisfying and filled with the pairings and payoffs that Enterprise 1 has always promised. We're given some partial failure stakes that are plausible so that our possible endings aren't all or nothing, and I stayed invested in the consequences for each character. Harry and Tom end up running a warship of the Celestial Temple and fighting against the Enterprise when that was Picard's plan all along, but then the Enterprise isn't destroyed, you know, like we were told it would be if that thing happened. It gets us where we need. Tom Paris recreates the Picard maneuver. Harry Kim, well, the Harry Kim we know goes full Spock and sacrifices himself. The medical tech of the Celestial Temple heals the damage to his body, but reweaves his pattern for this universe, killing the Lieutenant Kim who grew so much over the season. I thought we transitioned from morally examining Starfleet and the Federation, but once the crisis is over, a captain from the Neo-Bajoran world of the Celestial Temple hails and we have never seen her before. And she and hers have figured out our whole deal. And she gives Kirk and crew a Picard speech. It is a full reversal to the point that I, I half expected for us to follow her and her ship and ignore this depressing Starfleet shit. Because it is a little depressing. Data vanishes. The EMH has his ECH protocol forcibly removed. Picard and Bashir are turned over to the Celestial Temple for prison. Harry Kim dies and the rest of the crew gets chewed out. I mean, they either mutinied, failed to stop a mutiny, and or failed to stop a super mutiny. When you have ideologically driven individuals with supreme competence and multiple fields, you run a real risk of having discipline and hierarchies break down. But they all consented to serve in Starfleet, policies or no, and they could all either change those policies like Rand was trying to do by running for office, or Kirk did as captain, or resign. Anything else is tantamount to taking the power instilled in them by Starfleet and the Federation and using it for their own personal ends. It's Jellicoe from the Starfleet Review Board who delivers the stunner, and that's corruption. But that is not our lesson. Our lesson is consent. No one asks the citizens of the Celestial Temple what they want. Now, that would obviously break the Omega Directive, but so did every alternative that wasn't obeying the Omega Directive. Our crew is shaken up. Not just the super mutineers, but other crew members are leaving and the ship will have a two-month stand-down. The Celestial Temple is motivated to expand and long-standing Federation policies like the Prime Directive are called into question. I know that's the intent, but I'm eager... E eager? Is, is that how you pronounce that word? To see more. I want to see the Celestial Temple expand. I want to see where Kirk Spock is going. Will Rand win the election? Are we going to get a fixed Starfleet? I want to see the Uhura-Pulaski friendship. I want to see T'Pol replace Picard as chief science officer. I want to see Janeway as Kirk's first officer. The first season of Enterprise 1 never coalesced into one whole. Characters were thrown together like spaghetti, and while that was mostly a mess, there were some successes that made it worthwhile. Being uneven is good, especially when, looking back, it's got the kind of pattern that makes picnic blankets look rowdy. It feels churlish to say, 
Oh, it's an accessible science fiction show with a moral core and self-contained stories with unmistakable Star Trek feel. But it's not transcendent modern television. So maybe I'm churlish. Maybe I am a churl.